0: Hello and welcome to my podcast, How I Teach Golf. My name's Duncan Walger, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of How I Teach Golf. I'm going back across to America, uh, first time in 2019. Uh, I'm speaking to a friend of mine, uh, top 50 instructor, Bernie Nager. Bernie, how are you?
1: Doing great, Duncan. Thanks for having me on your show today.
0: No problem at all, um, Bernie. Apologies straight away. I know nothing of your backstory, so I don't know how you got into the game of golf, how you ended up at your wonderful facility. So, if you could share with me and the and the listeners, how did how did Bernie get into the game of golf and end up at uh, at Caves Valley?
1: Well, Duncan, I got into golf one day strictly by just dumb luck I was at a tennis camp and my friends were heading over to hit golf balls at the golf camp and I was in eighth grade and they invited me to go with them and go see what golf was all about and I fell in love with the game early on not that I didn't play other sports but I was a pretty big tennis player prior to playing golf in terms of my primary sport and as soon as I started playing golf Getting a taste of the game, the shots you got to hit, the fact that you had 14 clubs to hit, the fact that every hole was different, it really intrigued me, and I became fascinated with golf. And through that experience and over the years learning about the game, trying to get better with my own game, I studied as much as I could about the golf swing, whether it was watching lessons, taking lessons, reading books, watching videos. And I had the good fortune to be around some great players and teachers, and they helped me get on a path where I am today. It wasn't that I was thinking early on, Hey, I want to teach golf for a living, but in my efforts to become a better player and enjoy the game, what happened to me was I developed a passion to help people with their games. And with that, after uh, the first, let's say, uh, oh gosh, just trying to think of when I got in the business. I got in the business in 1994 and I've worked at three clubs prior to being at Caves Valley, mainly one in particular that is about 15 minutes from Caves, and I worked there for, I was in the middle of my 17th season, okay. and Caves Valley wanted me to come along and, and run their program, so uh, it's amazing how time flies when you're having fun, and <laughs> I'm, I'm blessed to be at a great club, and I've been fortunate before being at Caves Valley to just be at some great spots as well, so uh, it's gone full circle for me in many ways in that so many things that you, you look back on and realize, Hey, this is how I got into golf that have helped you through life. And it spins back around with the juniors you work with and the impressions you get to leave with them and certainly your mature clients. So that's what I got for you, Dunk. Brilliant. So did, um, did you grow up in the area that you're in
0: now or were you were you a different part of the states? What's
1: Yeah, so I live in Baltimore, Maryland now, which is about an hour north of Washington D.C., and I grew up very close to Washington D.C. So, you know, aside from about a 10-month period where I worked in Florida as a private coach, mm-hmm. I've been in Maryland my whole career. Fantastic. So, how did you how did you get into the
0: the teaching business as it were? Did you did you go down the PGA route or have you uh, have you just forged your way through just teaching or what's what what was your what was your avenue into into actually teaching and coaching golf?
1: So my avenue was in college. I, I was learning uh, indirectly and directly about instruction by taking some lessons, primarily the biggest influence at that time on my Knowledge of the swing and and the idea of maybe becoming a golf professional that teaches golf for a living was Wayne DiFrancesco. And Wayne's a terrific player and teacher. Wayne's been, uh, at that point in time, someone that was coaching me with my own game, but I'd hang around and watch him give lessons. And he, in his own right, is a phenomenal player. And he was teaching a lot of concepts back then that were very helpful to me early on in my career and then I had the good fortune of seeing him in action give lessons and then I decided after college or actually before I graduated from college I wanted to get in the golf business and I worked at a club near the club he worked at and I spent a lot of time with Wayne over those early years and then we actually ended up working together at a club for 10 years and along with Wayne, I, there were other instructors that were big influence on my career early on, Mike Bender, uh, Mac O'Grady. I uh, spent some time with um, Jim McLean and David Ledbetter, and I could go down a list of lots of teachers that have helped me, but you know, as things evolved over time, I met uh, Jim Hardy, who I know you're certainly a disciple of, and Jim's been a great friend and mentor and someone that uh, really helped me better understand so much of what we were teaching was oftentimes, as uh, Jim would put it, you might have mixed elements or or you might have information that's conflicting. And, and Jim's been a great influence on my career as well. Yeah. So how, when did you meet Jim? So I met Jim in 2007 and what happened, I met Jim at a golf school. One of my students wanted me to go to the plain truth golf school with him and see what it was all about. Jim had just released his book, the plain truth for golfers and a couple of our members were very interested and they just decided, you know what, we'll bring Bernie to the golf school. He can watch us take the school. He can participate and he'll reinforce what he's learning at the school with us when we get back. And I was uh, immediately You know, impressed with Jim's communication skills. He's just a brilliant speaker and tells a great story. But more importantly, it was really interesting to watch him work with different players at the school. I had read the book before, and then going to the school and hearing it from the horse's mouth was really nice. And I say that because sometimes you're going to read things, or when you do a book, it's hard to really say everything you need to say or put it in a language where the reader is able to really uh, take from what they're reading or seeing in the book in the best way possible and being able to see Jim in person, work with Michael LaBove at that school and talk about the one plane swing versus the two plane swing. That was a big step in my career in terms of r- recognizing, Hey, I've been seeing these differences, but I really didn't have a great way of separating the two. And that was a big step for me. So how did you, I'm sorry, Duncan. He's still the there. Irish. I lost you for a second.
0: Stuff that. Yeah. Um, so then, how did you take the influences uh, of the other instructors you'd spent time with, um, especially someone like Wayne, and then incorporate that into? Well, the that's way a that great you, question. I think the main off.
1: thing we have to do with our players is recognize what they need, and sometimes it's easy to get caught up with whatever swing theory you may have or may not have, or they want to learn. And sometimes you get away from the basic premise of helping them strike the ball more consistently. And that that's the beauty of Jim Hardy in that he focuses his certified instructors on impact and ball flight, then work back from there. And what I would say to you, Wayne's a terrific teacher and a lot of his system is based on his preferences and those preferences would be very helpful to some students. And, you know, certainly if, if I have a situation where that base of knowledge is going to help me, I use it. And from a player perspective, Wayne was great at helping me understand so mm-hmm. much about the game that you can't learn from a book that you can't learn unless you've had his experience. And I had the good fortune of caddying for Wayne at the PGA tour qualifying school and also at the Kemper open. And I played a lot of tournament golf early in my career, and I played a lot of practice rounds with Wayne. So I would be a sponge picking up how he would play his practice rounds, what he would be doing in terms of strategy and having the opportunity to talk through with him the lens he was seeing the golf course through. And also during the tournament, a lot of times we'd room together if it was a travel event. And again, I would get that. Feedback from him, not only on how he played, how he saw others. So I was very lucky.
0: So then, so you've now got the, your 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 influences. Um, so how does? Or first of all, tell us about Caves Valley. What uh, what 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 it's about there? Uh, the the facility a little bit, and then tell us about your facility. What you have in your Uh, Yeah, so Caves Valley Golf Club
1: is a private golf club in Owings Mills, Maryland, which is just outside of Baltimore. Uh, We've been uh, a club that was formed around 1991, and we have a Tom Fazio golf course. It's primarily a walking golf course, although we do let some carts out, but your clubs will go down the fairway with a caddy. So very much a traditional golf club. And we do a lot of rounds with a member who might be bringing two or three guests. So we're definitely more of a business club. We have a limited season where the course is open. We're open from roughly the middle or latter portion of April through uh, the middle portion of November. And my teaching facility on site is just the best way to put it it's uh, a place that every day i come to work i pinch myself as far as being so lucky to have such a great office it's on one of the more beautiful pieces of land you'll see we have hitting bays for the members and then i have a private teaching bay next to the main hitting bays for the members but we have a grass tee we use that we're not always in the building and the Actual performance center, as we call it, has a gym in the back. It has a putting studio. And we have targets that are all at different angles along with a wedge course and some uneven lie stations to work on those skills. And it's really great because originally our range was four practice holes. And they've decided in early 2000s not to have the practice holes. Dave Phillips, who I'm sure you know, Dave's a Dave's a great friend and worked in my position back in the yeah. uh late 90s early 2000s at Caves Valley and you know uh Dave he's done phenomenal with TPI and and educating so many golf professionals and he's been a great influence on my mm. career as well and Dave gave Caves Valley the idea of doing a performance center like they're doing at TPI and this is Dave talking just imagine you know early 2000s and fortunately they put this building in but you know like a lot of things uh, over time (laughs) you have to upgrade your equipment and I've been in a situation at my prior job where I had a beautiful practice area not Case Valley-esque but it was certainly nice and I had a garage that you know pretty much was empty and I filled it with equipment so I was fortunate in that I kept investing in my business and learning about technology and spending time with lots of bright people in and outside of the golf business to learn about the many ways you can help players with their games. And it could go back to working with them on their body in the gym, or it could be 3d motion analysis. It could be different training protocols, but the long story short is we can work on all aspects of your game here at Caves. And we have a facility that when you come and experience it, it's really special. I mean,
0: it's, I've seen, obviously, some of the photographs and videos from some of the excellent work that you've done with with your students. So what what technology have you got in the Performance Centre? And, um, and then if you want to go into, let's say I've booked my first session with you, how I would go about booking a session with you, and then kind of what happens uh, either before, or so, the first five, ten just minutes to start or like with the section.
1: technology piece, I have TrackMan launch monitors. We have uh, two on, on the property, one for the members and our other instructors to use, and I have one in my bay. I also have a foresight quad, and the quad and the TrackMan are great tools. The quad's really mm-hmm. nice if you are hitting into a net or frankly, for some of the wedge stuff, some of the data I prefer on the quad and the gaming features on TrackMan, as far as their software is concerned and their test center, I really like. So, you know, I'm not trying to say I like one better than the other. They both have great pluses and I'm on Foresight's advisory board. And so I, I happen to have one of their units as well. And I think it's really good. And you know, being at Caves Valley and just the way things are in our business, TrackMan's mm. done such a good job with their software and skill testing applications that I like well. So I'm a bit of a launch monitor junkie, much like my friend Martin Hall, who's a, a dear friend and, and been a great influence on my career. I know you know <laughs> Martin. And, you know, we joke all the time that we're launch monitor addicts. But going back yep. to the other stuff, have some 3D motion equipment,
0: uh, <laughs>
1: got Gears 3D, got... Kvest and certainly uh, swing catalyst, the motion plate, which gives us a 3D view of the forces you generate on the ground when you swing and also Sam putt lab. And I'm probably forgetting some things, but mainly, you know, when we capture your, your swing, whether it's on the tee or in the studio, we're going to gather data that's relevant to what you came for. So, you know, if somebody came in and they really want a, a full 3D experience, it's going to be set up for that. But I'm not running gears for everyone. And certainly um, if I thought it was going to help you, I, I'd suggest, hey, we should set this up. But I want to figure out what you're looking for. And based on that, I'm going to design the, the lesson around it and coach you through the things I think that are going to help you the most in those areas that you've come for. And at the same time, some players come to me, a lot of juniors come to me, and they're trying to figure out how to get to the next level. And it could be a junior player, a college player, a professional, or it could be just someone who's, you know, trying to get better at whatever level they're at. How do I get better? So we do skills assessments and measuring their shots, whether it's with the track man or different skill testing protocols I have, I figure out where you're at. And help you understand your best opportunities to improve, and that's what I do typically with most new clients. In that, I I want to find out about them. So if somebody's trying to take a lesson from me, first off, they got to fill out a questionnaire that is available at burninghr.com, and they inquire about lessons. And if they fill out the forms, and we send them a survey for them to fill out, now we know where their goals are and what their desires are. And if it looks like a match, then we set up an appointment. And then from there, when they come in, I have a sneak preview of their game, what they've really wanted to come in for. And then I lead them accordingly. And as you know, you get different personalities out there. Some folks, they want all the information they could get. In fact, a lot of times people come because they see that I have this technology and they want to get all the data and at the same time you might have someone that doesn't have the patience to be on video or or go through that analysis and you have to get them right there on the spot with i'm not going to say a quick fix but certainly something that's going to immediately work for them and that's the beauty of the training we get from jim hardy and the plain truth so we can cover a lot of ground depending on what the player wants to do we have the tools to assess and measure what they're doing and at the same time we can go old school and and just work it without the technology fantastic so um
0: you already know what the what the students wants and needs are even before they've turned up so you can you can get in you can get in there and straight away and focus in on what their wants and needs are right off the bat straight away because of the questionnaire and the survey that they've already filled out Excellent. And then do you involved, uh, yes. you mentioned that there's a, there's a gymnasium on site. Is that correct? So uh, do you involve the personal trainers or, or, or what happens if, if, if you see something in their swing or uh, in their movement patterns that, that you think there is something? great question, Duncan, I have
1: been very fortunate. Dr. Greg Rose, Dave Phillips, the folks at TPI have been, Uh, big influence on my career. I've done a lot of training with them. And along with those folks at TPI, I've, I've spent a lot of time with some great physical therapists, chiropractors, biomechanics. And I would typically, most players that come to see me, especially for the first time, I have some screens I do. And I'm also finding out about their injuries and or concerns. And what happens is different across the board. Some folks that come in, they've had injuries, they've already uh, aligned themselves with a trainer, if you will, and or a PT or a chiropractor or an orthopedist that has worked with them on that piece. But oftentimes people haven't. And my job is to help them understand where their body might be compromising their ability to achieve their goals. And I also don't want to do anything motion wise with them that's going to aggravate An injury or potentially cause an injury. So it's a big discussion with me as far as training goes. I do some training with some of my players, uh, but I'm certainly not trying to wear all the hats and I'm happy to, to uh, bring other people into the uh, mix, if you will, a team approach and, and point them to local trainers, physical therapists, chiropractors that I think are a good fit for the player. And at the same time, I've had physical physical therapists and or chiropractors or doctors send me students because we have this two way relationship. And uh, you know, more than anything, we got to do what's best for the client and and recognize our lane. And my lane is is helping people on the golf side. But sometimes that means we're we're doing some fun stuff in the gym. Kids love to integrate some of the workout stuff while they're taking a lesson. And frankly, I think it's really good for a lot of adults, but you got to be careful what you're doing with your players and, and really understand their situation before you start uh, adding any of that piece to the puzzle. But it's certainly a big part of what I do. Fantastic. And then you,
0: you obviously mentioned your wedge course, um, your uneven lies. Uh, that you can create out right there. You know, on, the on course team. lessons are great and
1: lessons? you know I do some stuff with my competitive players. One of my juniors I was just with at the Orange Bowl Junior Championship. It's a big international field down in the Miami area. It's been going on for years and uh, his family hires me to go to to a certain number of events with them a year and we'll do the practice rounds and I also watch him during tournament play to really get a, a, a view of his game when the, when the gun goes off, you know, to see what may or may not be different and also just to see opportunities yeah. and, and areas that, you know what, we, we might've missed. And I think the golf course, you know, for most folks, their behavior at the range is is typically not always the same on the golf course. I'm guessing you see the same thing. And it's it's nice to go out and see them and relate back yep. to them. Hey, on such and such hole, you were doing a nice job, and then all of a sudden this happened. And and find out what was going on with them, or maybe you just tell them what you saw. But that interaction's great. I don't think we ever spent enough time with our students on the golf course. And uh, you know, it if you could spend more time, you would. My facility Uh, We do a very regimented tea time schedule, morning and afternoon, and I have certain windows where I can take people on the course. So um, Mm -hmm. those windows limit my ability to do that, which is why with a lot of my juniors, I like to see them at a tournament and or do a practice round with them at a tournament just to work on that piece because so much of what we have to do to help them play better is strategize and then see if they're actually executing the physical skills you've worked on but see how they're picking their shots both when they're hitting it well and what do they do when they're in trouble you know how are they handling the bad t-ball or the miss screen when things go haywire can they make a good bogey you know or are they just making dumb mistakes and you know whether it's a junior player uh competitive amateur or just somebody who's saying look i want to go from a 15 to a 10 handicap or i'd like to go from a guy that can't break a hundred i want to shoot in the 90s what can i do so yeah it's a great thing to do whenever you can and certainly something i recommend
0: brilliant and then you've got um you mentioned how much how much work you do kind of on yourself with regards to learning about different ways of teaching and with the technology and everything. What about the, the outside of golf stuff, Bernie, the, do you, you obviously sound, and cause I know you as well. I, I think you have a great understanding on how you deliver a golf lesson or plan a program and communicate in bits and pieces. Is that something that you've learnt, or yeah, well, is that something uh, that you've you know, the you've to put it. to you?
1: A lot of my style comes from experience and my style has also been influenced by my mentors and I've had some great mentors. You know, when, when people ask me the question you're asking me, I've had tremendous influence on my career by Martin Hall, Jim Hardy, Mike Adams. You know, if I go back in time, Mike Bender, Wayne Francesco, Mac O'Grady, but they all bring a different element to what I do today and I can't tell you for sure when I'm giving a lesson if I'm thinking gee I'm going to do this a little bit more like Mike Bender would or Wayne would or am I going to go over here and do it more like you know Martin would but yeah I have my own style my my uh, personality is such Mm. and you know me pretty well I'm a pretty uh, laid-back guy I'm not Super in your face teaching golf, but I'm I'm going to make my points and use whatever tools I can to get you there. And at the same time, I'm going to listen. I think that's probably my greatest strength. I can listen to people and then act. And I think a lot of times, you know, if you if you go back when you first started teaching, I know for myself, I was so eager to help what might be the problem that sometimes I got out in front of it too early. I didn't really process what was going on. I had uh, a lot of times a, a game plan before I should have had the game plan, not to say I didn't help people that way, but I'm better now in that I'm, I'm getting more information from the player before they come to see me. I'm able to look at what they're doing with a lens that keeps getting better. And then I'm finding out about their personality in a way where it helps me communicate to them more efficiently as we, Uh, been fortunate to learn from Jennifer Monroe, there's so many uh, challenges when you communicate with people, right? So if you have somebody who's very, you know, disciplined, and they want a very regimented schedule, you better be speaking a language that uh, complements that. And at the same time, you might be someone that wants more detail, and you can't just give them a very basic explanation. But, you know, I think we all attract players over time that like our style they like the way we communicate or or deliver uh, whatever they've come for right and at the same time you know there's there's plenty of coaches you'd think boy they can't mess with this player and they miss and we've all been there we've had someone we thought boy this is going to be a no-brainer and we just didn't connect and so uh, those connection skills I'm working on them all the time Yeah, Uh, I'm always listening to things outside of golf to help me with that, whether it's Tony Robbins or Joel Osteen or or different motivational speakers that are great at connecting with people because you never know what you're going to pick up from those other areas outside of golf. But it all comes back to we got to connect with the people we're with and we got to give them something they can do. And we have to encourage them and there there are different ways to do that. And what I found that great teachers are able to do, they have the technical knowledge, but they're really good at encouraging the player to get to where they need to be and giving them that reinforcement and being supportive of them is, is a big part of why they're successful.
0: 100%. Everything you've just said there, 100%. And I'm, I feel very lucky that I've actually seen, seen you work as it were up close and the way that you gather information, the way that you, um, you kind of filter the information and then you give it back to them in a, in a, in a, in a style. And I've seen your style change with different players. I I love, you know, I always enjoy watching you work as it were. Um, I know I, in my opinion, I don't get enough time to spend with you, but I'm a long way away from you. But, uh, I always enjoy our time together and I can absolutely 100% say this with all certainty, you know, you you really do practice exactly what you preach. And it's, it's really good
1: to. Well, it's very you nice to say Duncan I, and I, I enjoy, our enjoy our time, our time and together. you're a wonderful coach. And uh, I know we're both quite a distance from each other. And uh, hopefully one day we'll get you over to Caves Valley and get you to see uh, my facility in person and love to see yours.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be fantastic. Now, the the other thing I wanted to kind of dive into a little bit was that um, I think it was about this yes. time last year you brought out a book. So, what gave you the what gave you the amb- ambition and drive to a want to write a book? And well, you know, the book came about,
1: about for a couple reasons, and the book's called "The Game: Enjoying Golf on and Off the Course," and The title says so much of what I try to do with my players and using my experience coupled with being around the game for the amount of time I've been fortunate to be in golf. It's been great for me on and off the course. And for so many of us playing the game, we meet wonderful people through golf and we experience things through golf, whether you're going to a different part of the country or the world to, play your golf you you end up doing things you wouldn't do without golf and sometimes in the game you can get frustrated with how you're playing and you forget the other pieces of the puzzle that help you enjoy what you're doing because of the people you're with because of the places you're going to and so my book is a way to get people to recognize it's not all about the score you shot Granted, everybody liked to shoot a low score and I'm going to give you mm-hmm. tips in the book on yeah. how to get better at the game, but it's easy to lose that perspective. And so I designed the book with the help of Tom Friedman, who's one of our members here at Caves Valley. And Tom's a wonderful golfer. He's a brilliant writer. He's a three-time Pulitzer Prize winner. Author. He's a New York Times bestseller. And he happens to be someone that takes a lot of lessons from me. And he over time kept planting seeds with me about doing a book. And I finally was out in a playing lesson with him and I asked him, <laughs> so how do you write a book? Cause he's obviously done it. And, and I also asked him, how do you know when you're ready? And he looked at me and said, Bernie, it's a lot like when you decide to start a family, you know, you get this idea thinking about it, then you're, you, you, you know, think of it, it's like you get pregnant with this idea of doing this book. And so you get pregnant with the idea of doing the book. And essentially what happens, much like that nine month period or a year period, however you want to look at that whole timeline, is you you work on putting together the nuts and bolts of the project. And then, as Tom put it to me, you'll rewrite it again in about a month's time. And there's your book. And he said, the best thing to do is is focus on a dialogue that you have with your students. And from my observations, he said to me, your strength is you are very good at telling people succinctly how to fix a given problem, not just at the range, but on the course. And he kept saying to me, we need to tell people more about taking playing lessons. We need to tell people more about their equipment give them insights on how to get more out of their lessons, give them insights on how to have more fun with their playing partners. And we kept going through this whole dialogue. And at first he was, he was also mentioned to me, you know, talk to them about making their events, whether it's a guest day or whatever they're doing with their clients, more memorable, not doing the things over and over again that tend to be redundant at different events. So we went through different things and, Matt Rudy from Golf Digest, who's a good friend of mine, was also really helpful, and he became uh, my ghostwriter for the project, so he helped organize these ideas, and we kept refining them, just like Tom said to me we would do over a period of time, and it took uh, about a year and a half to do the project, and it's certainly not my full-time job, but I made time for it, and we got it done, and we put together eight chapters on the game, and the best way to put it, we start with the idea of let's figure out what part of the game is hurting your score. So chapter one helps you understand the, the areas of your game by tracking certain things I tell you to do in the book. And you could do it for a, a six hole stretch when you play up to an 18 hole stretch or multiple rounds. But I'm giving you the ideas in chapter one on here, are the things to pay attention to once we know what they are. And we'll talk about how to use those areas to improve. And then we go through these other chapters. Chapter two is I'm teaching you how to get better without changing your swing, which unlike most golf books where they start off saying, Hey, this is how you hold the club. This is how you stand. And this is the backswing and this is the downswing. This book's more about working within your game, helping you understand the things you can do to get better without making any dramatic changes. And then we flow into the things you can do to get better at putting. So I have a really nice putting chapter and then I have a ball striking and short game chapter to fix some common errors that we all tend to make and help you understand how to go off of impact and ball flight to make your corrections. And then I go through how to buy equipment or, how to get fit for clubs or, or equipment considerations you might not think of. And, you know, some of the things I get into in there are not just about your golf clubs. It could be your shoes. It could be uh, other pieces of the puzzle that greatly affect your performance. And these chapters, by the way, they're 10 to 12 pages. So they're easy reads and designed, again, to give you a reference guide, if you will. And then I get into how to get more out of your lessons by telling you how to take a lesson. And we tell different stories in the chapters so that people can relate to what is going on so it's much more of a conversation that closes with a couple chapters uh one on how to become a better driver of the ball and also how to enjoy the game more with your friends with your clients or just in general how to how to be able to walk off the course no matter what you shot and still have a good time
0: yeah i mean i've i've, I've read i've read the game of it's two or three times, uh, definitely, definitely on, uh, definitely on a couple of flights over to the States. And I can, again, I can attest to, you know, when I was reading the book, I could definitely hear you coming through the book, which I think is always the, the sign of a good book. It's like you said, it's, it's a very, if I can put it, I mean this really, really nicely. It's a very uncomplicated book and it, it, it does definitely give you a, some really good ideas on how you can enjoy yourself a lot more as you say on and off the golf course because it doesn't necessarily have to be 100 percent of the time about what score you're trying to shoot or what you're trying to do i thought it was a it was a it was a different book to the ones that i that i had read before i actually thought the book was going to be a little different and i was very pleasantly surprised when i read the book exactly how it how it flowed through the chapters through different areas of the game and uh, I really enjoyed it, and I, I use a few of the drills. Um, I've definitely stolen a few of the drills out of there, especially the toilet plunger, Bernie.
1: Um, <laughs> Everybody loves and, that. Yeah,
0: a lot of my lessons. Look at me when I do, when I turn up with the with the toilet plunger. So,
1: <laughs> never thought I'd be famous for a plunger, but <laughs> seems to be following me around with my uh, career. So I, I, I have a lot of friends, a lot of teachers. They'll send me pictures during the home Depot here in the States and they're in the plunger aisle. And it's just
0: funny. (laughs) I mean, if you think about it as well, I mean, like yourself, you've got the launch monitors and the, and the technology here at world of golf London. And, you know, we spend X amount of thousands on the, on these launch monitors. And we're there with a $5 or five pound toilet plunger.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, and, and that's uh. You know, if you look at the player and you can get to them with, with that, that's all you need, right? But, exactly. yep. you know, the technology is really cool because it helps you, whether you're using it or not, once you've been using it, it, it just helps your eye get better. Yeah. And and helps you understand the nuances that might not have been quantifiable before, but now you can look at them and you can tell your story better. And I know you have a great facility there. You guys have lots of technology. Do you have gears there?
0: Yes, we've 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 had gears at the at the moment. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Michael next week at the PGA show.
1: Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I'll Are see you headed down out there. To the PGA show. Yes, I will be there. So we'll definitely Excellent. catch up when you oh, get yeah. into Orlando.
0: Yeah, that would be great. And then we've um, if you could, uh, I just want to go away a little bit and just focus a little bit more on Bernie. So if you could have a If you could have a fantasy four ball, Bernie, who would be in the four ball and where would you play?
1: Yeah, great question. I love that. Well, my fantasy four ball would be Bobby Jones, Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, and I want to tee it up at Augusta with them. And who's playing with who? (laughs) I'm taking Jack. Is Jack is Jack. I, I think Tigers obviously the, the greatest player of our generation. Uh, but Jack Nicholas, what he was able to do in golf in a limited tournament termin- ter- excuse me, a limited tournament schedule and and to look at not only the wins but the seconds and just the way he had such great balance in life. He's just so impressive to me. Not to say that I mean, Bobby Jones is incredible to think about what he was able to do in a short span and obviously Tiger in his career. But I think it would be pretty cool to see those three together and be at the place that I find to be uh, one of my favorite places in the world to go.
0: So, Bernie, uh, what advice would you give to a young coach looking to get into the teaching business or someone just getting into the teaching business what type of, uh, or who should they seek out? What books should they read? Podcasts they should listen to or anything like that?
1: Well, I think your question is best answered by if, if they can get out and watch some teachers locally that have established themselves. That's a great way to learn about the business of teaching golf. And I think, you know, being able to do that is invaluable but it's also very important for them to see what it's like in terms of what a day of teaching looks like. So they should get out there and and spend a half day watching someone like yourself and, and see what it's all about. And certainly there, there's lots of information now on the internet. You know, when we were starting out, uh, we didn't have the YouTube, we didn't have the podcast, we didn't have, all this information that's been flooding the markets. And now, you know, you've got so much, right? So what are you going to do from here? How do you know where to go? And a lot of it is you got to find someone or several mentors, if you will, that are going to guide you accordingly. And sometimes it means uh, the mentor might be telling the young teacher, hey, you know what? I want you to read these books because I think these will be a good for not only where you are starting in the business, but where you're trying to get to. So if you're going to be more of a short game coach, you know, you should definitely get out and watch some of the short game coaches that have had success. And if they've written books in that area, that would be wise to uh, review or videos and certainly full swing coaches as, as that pertains to that side of the business. I think we're, we're all getting a little more specialized Mm -hmm. and, and not to say that you don't teach the whole game, but. Early on as a young teacher, now you could go see James Seekman if you're here in the States and and listen to James and go to one of his talks or Stan Utley or um, David Orr on putting or whoever it might be, get that piece of the puzzle and then find a proven coach that works in an area similar to where you see yourself. And you, know, you might be thinking, I want to be at a private club or you might want to be at a public facility or you might want to be at a golf academy or you might want to be doing internet lessons i mean there's a whole new world of that as well yeah and the main thing is you have to study success regardless of what you're trying to be and sometimes what you think you want to do turns into something else you know because gosh i had no idea i was going to be at caves valley in 2019 teaching golf if you asked me 10 years ago but i'm here and i'm very blessed to be here but You know, if I went back 20 years, I wasn't thinking about Case Valley. Doesn't mean I didn't know about it or didn't dream about it, but uh, things change over time. And and what happens in any business, you're going to develop your skills early on by your early influences. And if you're not getting what you need, you need to keep seeking out different mentors. And don't be afraid to ask almost every golf professional I know would love to help you if they could, but we can't, you know, speculate who wants to learn about what uh, we do all day. But I I don't know anybody that says, Hey, no, you can't watch, (laughs) you know, or don't, don't come out, stop bothering me. You know, it's, it's such a nice industry in that regard. And I think if you get out there and, and develop those relationships and see what the business is all about, that's really important. The other thing to do is, is get out there and, and take advantage of all the educational opportunities. Now you can't do everything at once and you're not going to become an expert in your first year or two. I think a lot of folks, they go to a certification program and they think they are now a master instructor. And uh, there's, there's a great book called the talent code and the talent code explains how the 10,000 hour rule works. And, you know, not to say it's easy to say, what is truly 10,000 hours, but it goes through a number of scenarios with different people that are very good at a craft and how they've become masters of their craft, whether they're musicians, teachers, songwriters, someone who's very good in a certain type of business. And it's not always what you think, but one thing's for sure, the best are always learning to Uh, break down what they do and put it back together and repeat and repeat and repeat. And they, and they learn over time these skills and tactics to get the job done. And, you know, there's no quick fix for being a great teacher, but you can certainly help people early on in your career a lot easier now than 25 years ago. As Mike Adams said, everybody's starting on the 10th floor now. You know, you started in the basement, But now you're starting on the 10th floor because you got a track, man, you can learn how to operate. You know, you have all this software that's doing a lot of the work for you, but great teachers don't have a lazy eye. And my concern with a lot of folks that haven't learned how to do it the old school way is they get a lazy eye. They're too dependent on the technology telling them what to do. And that's where I think it's good as a young teacher observe whoever you think the best teachers are in your area and you might go to see someone who's really uh, a big techie and then you might see someone that doesn't turn a camera on that's what I love about Jim Hardy I know Jim can can use the technology but he can also do just fine without it and at the same time you'll see folks like Chuck Cook who have really embraced technology and they're going to use all the bells and whistles Martin Hall as well but they still can give great lessons without it. Absolutely. So you need to, you need to really, you know, expand your view. And then, you know what, with some of the young guns who are doing really well, go spend some time, see what they're up to, see what they are bringing to the table. Why are people coming? Cause it's not just about uh, whether or not you understand swing plane or, or all the correct uh, force alignments in a golf swing. It's there's a lot to it. And as you know, uh, people sometimes aren't coming for that. They're coming for, you know, they want to have a visit with you and talk to you about life and their family or something going on with their career. Oh, and by the way, help me hit the sand shot <laughs> or, you know, help me understand how to read how to read the green that I'm looking at because I don't know how to read a green. So uh, get out there and, and visit with as many pros as you can. They'll be happy to help you. And if I can do for anything for your folks over here in the U.S., let me know. Brilliant.
0: Wise words, Bernie. Thank you very, very much. Bernie, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes now that um, you can just thank uh, people that have helped you uh, in and out the game. Um, and, you know, you're kind of giving them a shout out and a, a little bit of a thanks. So I'll go quiet and you can just uh, reel off a few names if you wish.
1: All right. That's very kind, Duncan. So I would just start off by thanking uh, Rod Thompson, who's a fellow Plain Truth instructor. Uh, Rod was actually the first golf professional that gave me a view of of the game through his junior camp and he's been a dear friend and and someone that loves the game and someone that's always seeking ways to get better so Rod's been a a huge help to my career and and certainly all the folks at the Plain Truth and Jim Hardy and Chris O'Connell for all they've done to help us as a group, Mike Adams, EA Tischler, Mike Bender, Wayne DeFrancisco, uh, my business mentor and father figure in my life, Charlie Staples, been a great friend and uh, someone that uh, has been so important in my life and all the folks that I've had a chance to work with, the clubs I've worked at, especially Wood Home Country Club and Caves Valley Golf Club, they've been just amazing to me and supportive of my career and all my peers in the business that have given me some great opportunities to be part of the education programs and uh their interest in my career so i've been incredibly blessed tom friedman matt rudy for all the help with the book and probably the most important folks in my life are my family who've been so supportive of my career i can't ever thank them enough and the good lord for all the blessings i've had so thanks so much duncan
0: no problem and I, i
1: really appreciate being on your show this has been great and uh look forward to catching up with you in Orlando. Yeah, me too.
0: Bernie, thank you ever so much for taking time out of your really busy schedule to, to talk to me. It's, uh, I learned a lot. I never knew that Rod Thompson was, was, was one of your, the first people that got you into the game. Again, you know, I meet Rod every year and he's just, he's just fantastic.
1: He really is. And you know what? I forgot one key person, not, not because I forgot him, but I just wanted to make a big deal out of this. Okay. So our good buddy, Martin Hall, the launch monitor at it, alleged golf channel guru. Uh, yeah. Martin's been a great friend mentor and, and somebody I talk a lot to and he's just someone that, you know, when I look at a career as a professional, he checks all the boxes. And in all seriousness, Martin's been an amazing friend, mentor, And someone I know your country is extremely proud of with his accomplishments. So thank you, Martin. And uh, I have not bought a new launch monitor since we last talked.
0: (laughs) As we would say here, here, that's uh, absolutely fantastic. And again, I look forward to catching up with both of you next week out in Orlando.
1: Very well. Great talking to you, Duncan. Thanks for letting me be on your show. It was fun. Yeah, thanks. And those of you listening, especially the young pros, be sure to get out to see Duncan and his crew. And this podcast, I'm sure, is filled with great information. So thanks so much for letting me be a part of it.
0: You're very welcome. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.
1: Cheers.